Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the films we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your co-host this time, Alex Dandino, of course, uh, and uh, co-hosting with me is, of course, my uh, sweater vest, uh, shit twice, and go kill myself, love of my life. <laughs> That's your intro? Andrea Dandino. That's right, guys. Another wife pod. That's, wow. uh... Can, can I ask for, uh... The skip button's right there. No one would blame you. Just kidding. <laughs> well, after that intro, well, yeah, I wouldn't blame them to skip it. I'm kidding, guys. All right. As always, catches I swear on. You love me. <laughs> as always, catches on all of our, uh, uh, all of your podcast apps. However, you find our show, please, for the love of God, write, review, and uh, rate our show because it helps us with metrics. And then, of course, find us on all your socials, which of course is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's where we are. That's where you'll find us. All the fun stuff. Yeah, feel free to tweet to have Alex redo that intro and tell me all the ways that he loves me. Absolutely not. That's the most loving I can come up with. That's exactly what uh, the heroine of our story said in response to her love for Jake Ryan. And that is what brings us to our Hughes movie. Of course, as you know, this month, the pod uh, has gone to, has gone back to school. We're hanging out with John Hughes. Um, my wife and I watched 16 Candles. Griffey and his wife watched Pretty in Pink. And now we're going to talk about it. Uh this is one of your favorite movies, correct, wife? Um, it's it's not necessarily a favorite movie per se, but it is an iconic one in my love for um, I hate I hate the genre name of rom com because I don't know if I would call Sixteen Candles necessarily a romantic comedy. You say genre? No, I said genre. Oh, okay. No, I did not say that. Anyways, continuing. So, but I think it's iconic for just me being the romantic that I am since, I don't know, age 12. Um, I remember the first time I saw Sixteen Candles, and I think I was 15, funny enough. Which, for Latinas, the 15 is kind of like the sweet 16. There's the quinceanera, so like 15 is kind of that shift in the way that she felt the shift turning 16. Um, just a little side note there. <laughs> but um, I remember it feeling, it gave me all the feelings. And um, I don't even know how long I have to talk about Jake Ryan and Cake and my love for both. Wow. Equally. Wow. <laughs> my first experience with this movie, I think, was a Saturday matinee. And uh, I was probably 12. And just watching television. And oh, I was going to say, you went to the movie theater for this? No, no. I was not. I was not even born when this was released. I was going to say, it was the way you said it. Sorry. Uh, the movie was released May 4th, 1984. Of course, John Hughes. Uh, yeah. Just some fun factoids to begin the, uh, the show here. Ooh, factoids. Um, so, Molly Ringwald, obviously. This was written. John Hughes claims he wrote this over a weekend. For her, right? Having seen Molly Ringwald audition. Wow. And... You'd be, you'd be uh, interested to know the two actors that it came down to for the role of Jake Ryan was uh, <gasps> Jake Shoffling, who, who's the guy they cast, okay, okay. and the other one was Aragorn himself, Viggo Mortensen. Shut the front door. Yeah. Viggo Are you Morten serious? Viggo Mortensen was the second, was the second um, runner up. See, if he would have played Jake Ryan, it would have been... Too... Way more, way more romantic and heroic. No, Agreed. no, Absolutely. it would have been no, 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 no. It would have been too moody. Cause trust me, I love me some Vigo, but in the role of Jake Ryan, you need just the right um, 
amount of like sweet smolder. And I mean that sweet smolder. Very interesting. Sweetness being the key word. Sweet smolder. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, the that's mm-hmm. the phrase from my wife. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's start. Uh, where would you like to start with this film? You want to just start right from the top? Yeah. I let's mean, do it. it's quite the intro. I mean, it's it's really kind of fascinating. Like, I always kind of anytime I watch this movie, and it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but anytime I've seen this movie, I always forget that it just takes place over a day. It feels like it takes place over so much more time than that. Oh, it really is only a day, huh? It's absolutely fascinating because I always think it takes place over longer than just a day, but it's literally her birthday. It almost feels like a week. It does. Yeah. Okay. Why do you think that is, though? Like, why would it seem like that the way the story's told? (sighs) Do you think it's just because there's so many locations, or do you think it's actually because is there something, some sort of extra magic happening within the story? There's a lot that's packed in. That I True. feel like, you know, in the sense of uh, everyday like life plot. But you know what? It makes sense because I remember being a teenager. It felt like one day held all the events. Oh, like wow. in 24 hours when I was 15, 16, and 17, it felt like a lifetime in one day. So that actually makes sense now that I think about it. I uh, Yeah, it's a fascinating journey. It starts off with a bang, I got to say. Like... I always I always think that just starts off with the credits, and I forget the way this movie begins is literally with the plot point that everyone forgets Sam's birthday. Yeah. And then the movie starts. Yeah. Like, she has this, it's this really wonderful, like, almost comic booky slapstick routine prologue of her being like, is anyone going to say happy birthday? And all of a sudden, they get through, and absolutely nobody says happy birthday to her. Which, when you're a teenager, it... It feels like that every day, that everyone's just forgetting you. And so I think the sting of it being her birthday. But I feel like the birthday is, you know, to get real um, literary here, uh, is very symbolic for, I think, how you feel during those ages. And that's just kind of feeling a bit invisible Hmm. to get um, real angsty on everybody. And I'm going to get real psychological on this film. San Diego State, (laughs) class of 2009. But I got my degree in English Lit. I, I, I got my psychology degree yeah. um, on the streets. <laughs> wow. Good Lord. That's committed to recording, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. No, dude. I, I call it a street psychology degree because I got it through my job in customer service. You will, you get to know the human condition a lot. Right. A lot of 16-year-olds coming in asking for a latte. No, no. I'm talking, <laughs> no, shut up. I'm talking about just, uh, you know, the psychology of of human beings whether they're 15 whether they're 21 whether they're 32 i think you know teenagers feel what we feel even though you and i are 32 now um but it's just heightened more when you're that age because um your hormones kind of just crank everything up and i know this because i was pregnant and afterwards too those hormones are no joke I am fascinated by the opening of this film, not um, or uh, the uh, opening credits particularly. And this is something that I've actually seen. We've watched a lot of John Hughes movies this month. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, this is something that he seems to love doing in all his movies, which is the opening credits seem to be kind of dedicated to introducing you to the life of these characters without actually introducing you to the life of the characters. But also the location. I think John the location's Hughes very in important. general, like that suburbia... Illinois uh, suburb. Yeah, Illinois Very suburb, important. Which I'm very acquainted with because um, my family and I, we grew up in Chicago, but when I turned eight is when we moved out into the suburbs. Um, and so, yeah, it has a certain feel, the, the suburbs 
um, outside of Chicago. Right. I mean, I really think it kind of just equates to everywhere middle America, which is cool. Yeah. But it's a really fascinating thing that John Hughes does, has does in like all his movies, like probably, I mean, his movies particularly, we've watched other movies that were just Brat Pack movies that didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily make that distinction. But particularly with his films, he likes to remind you where you are and also remind you of the people that you're like paying attention to. So like with this opening sequence, it says 16 candles across the screen. And then literally it's just these intercuts of all these kids doing very eighties things throughout this very eighties opening sequence Mm -hmm. where they're introducing everyone's name on screen and giving everyone their due credit. It's a time capsule. It's fascinating. It's something that I think he does really well. And it's something that is like my favorite thing about John Hughes movies is, you know, you know, every time, that you're watching a John Hughes movie. You know what you're signing up for. You know that you're traveling right. back in time. I appreciate that. Like yes. This is the thing that like movies like St. Elmo's Fire and Less Than Zero did, but did in this like sort of haphazard, like much much more depressing way because those movies are much more about the Brad Pack after they were done being the Brad Pack and they were all like trying to be adults. But the fascinating thing to me about these opening credits is just that the time capsule itself tells you everything you need to know about not just the time period, but literally the characters themselves. The fashion, the expertise of the girl drawing a heart on her leg, which might have been the most like perfect heart I've ever mm-hmm. seen drawn on the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot. My brother has tattoos, so, you know. <laughs> no, but it really, I don't, you know, again, I don't know what John Hughes' intention was, but it's almost like he already knew that these movies were going to be timeless in the sense that they would be passed along decade after decade. There's a sense of nostalgia already in him making it. Like, it was nostalgic in its present time, which I know sounds weird, but follow me here. And it continues to be even more nostalgic as the movie ages. It's almost like I feel like he went into it knowing he's like, I want to capture nostalgia. Well, I think that's something he does in all... Like, really, I mean, that's something he did as a writer even for National Lampoon. Like, all of the stories he wrote for Lampoon were drawn from experiences from middle school, elementary school, mm-hmm. high school, his childhood. Like, the first big story he wrote was obviously the story that the movie Vacation's based on, which was literally about his family vacation yeah. in, I think, 1959. So, so Hughes is a nice, nostalgic that's what he does. He's a, romantic. He's a big nostalgia machine. Yeah. So we get in, we start living We start living the lives of these characters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Sam's broken up. And then she does... Sam is forgotten. Sam's <laughs> forgotten. Her very awesome best friend tells it like it is. I love those characters in movies. I love those characters in movies that are the best friend, and you're like, who would be friends with this person? I don't understand. Well, they're the, you know, it's a truth bomb. See, they're this just, is like, throwing it down. see, this is a girl thing. Like, guys don't care about that kind of stuff. In the sense of what? Like, honesty? Well, like, she literally was like, eh, everyone forgot about you. Who gives a shit? Move on. Like, she's like literally trying to get her to just move on with her day. And it's like, focus on this girl. Come on. And so how do you say that guy's different? Like, guys don't care about that. Oh, like, a guy would never come up to his guy friend saying, like, they forgot about my birthday. Yeah, I think guys might take it less seriously. Well, they would never openly admit it, that it hurt them, that someone forgot their birthday. Sure. Like, if this was about, I mean, if this was a a gender reverse uh, 16 candles, Mm -hmm. this would be about, like, this is like the prequel to like the Columbine shootings. Pretty oh much. God! That's oh, pretty it's... much what I'm thinking. Don't be so morbid about your own gender. That's exactly where this would go. Like my parents forgot about me. That's it. Oh my God! Like that's exactly okay. how this would go. One hundred percent. I don't think we need to go down that dark road. Well, I'm just saying that's exactly how this would go. <laughs> See, if Griffey was here, he'd agree with me and laugh hysterically <laughs> because we'd be great. Um, but yeah, so I am we... not Griffey. I know you're not. Obviously. <laughs> Anyways, 
I'm much prettier, guys. Um, so the deeper we get into this story, uh, obviously it starts off with this uh, note. Did you do a lot of note passing when you were in middle, in middle school and high school? I did all the note passing. That makes total especially sense. Especially in middle school. Not so much in high school. Did you also spell confidential wrong? No, never. I've ne- I just wouldn't spell out I cannot words tell I didn't you, know how to spell. I cannot tell you how aggravating Well, and when you was. said that while we were watching the movie, I just immediately was just like, nerd. It said, com- <laughs> it says confidential. A confident tale. Maybe, maybe that was supposed to be part of the whole nostalgia is that, you know, kids don't know how to spell. I'll, I'll tell you right now, the questions that were asked on the sex quiz were fascinating. That was, that was, but she she was doing that for someone's class, right? No. She was no? doing it for another friend. That was not... I'll tell you right now, that was for a class. That high school okay, was got really very confused. progressive. I thought she mentioned that because I, I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I didn't know passing in middle Deeply school. Deeply progressive. But we never did like quizzes in the notes. Yeah, that it was, was more so confession. I mean, that wasn't even a quiz. There were literal like essay questions. It was like a well, sex ed class. <laughs> well, my, well, that's what I was saying. That's why I got confused whether it was supposed to be for a class. But my favorite was they're like, have you ever done it? And she's like, uh, I don't think so. And then the next question is like, if you say I don't think so, like it said, like what do you mean by that? It's like tailor made for her. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So let's see. She does that. Then she accidentally her friend is her friend a writer die chick well, sleeping. Well, you're passing over one of my favorite parts, which I think is quintessential of high school and middle school in general, is that you try to do the over the shoulder look at your crush kind of thing and try mm-hmm. not to get them to see that you're doing it. Right. Nice little moment there. Makes it real authentic. Makes it real sweet. See, Already plants the seed between see, you, that's the, Jake and Sam. See, again, this is another thing. Like, I firmly believe I've done those for sure. But actually, the one that I most relate to is the one that Michael Sarah does in Superbad. I, that was the one I did the most. Well, you were really direct when you met me. Which was, well, we're not talking about that right now. But, which <laughs> okay. was like the over the shoulder and then you look up like you saw something else and then you turn your head back to the board. Like that was my oh, move. Oh, I, I think I've seen you do that. It was fascinating before. because see like, the, but that's the thing. And I, this is the thing that I understand why Molly Ringwald was kind of the John Hughes muse. Mm-hmm. Because she does have this like penetrating stare of like, I'm looking at you. And I'm not, look. Molly Ringwald is one of those just fascinating looking people. But she, when she looks at you, she's looking past. She's looking not just at you, but like deep into your soul. I don't know how else to describe it. It's this fascinating thing. Oh, you're just truly Ab- crushing on Molly Ringwald. Absolutely can understand Jake Ryan's intrigue because he's got to be like, that's weird. Never seen that before. Never seen a girl look like that before. Look at me like that before. That's fascinating. Like, I have a feeling... Drunky McGee, his girlfriend, well, his girlfriend in the movie. You no, know, for being a popular guy, and I said this while we were watching the movie that you know Sam feels unseen and invisible, and you know I think that just like her, Jake Ryan, despite being the most popular boy and feeling like he has it all together, I think he feels equally invisible and equally unseen, and I think when he catches eyes with Sam throughout the whole movie, not even this first incident in the beginning of the movie, he feels for the first time actually seen. Now, see, I'm going to push back a little bit on that. Because right. I got to tell you, watching this film, very seen that Molly Ringwald was. I think she was just upset people forgot. Like, everyone else, like, first off, you can't be upset about everyone but your, like, mm-hmm best friend for getting your birthday because you know most people in my high school didn't know my birthday well no it hurts because it's the family right exactly so they're not seeing her but literally everybody else is paying attention to her that is true i actually found it i think she was a little she was a little being a little bit 
was being a teenager. Being a little bit selfish. She's being a teenager. She got a lot of attention at school. One thing happens and a teenager finds a way to make that their whole world. She got hit on by Anthony Michael Hall as Ted the Geek. She got hit on on the bus, paying a lot of attention to her. Would you want to be hit on by Ted the Geek? And she called him a mean word for a gay person. Very not cool. <laughs> I know. There was a lot of language that nowadays would not fly. There's a, we'll get to the stuff yeah. that is totally not okay for nowadays because there's a lot in this movie. There is, there is a whole lot. We will not um, bypass that at all. Um, I think she was being a little selfish with the attention. But again, that is a true, I think, depiction of teenagers and also being young. It's a sign of immaturity that as much as... You know, teenagers, it's this constant conflict of wanting to be the most mature in the person person in the room and actually being quite the opposite, you know, and that's why when we're young, we're always racing to seem older, to be older, to look older, to have the older type of love, you know, that's why I think the first love is always the heaviest because we have so many big expectations for it. We, we want it to be like what we've seen either maybe emulated in our parents or elsewhere in movies and TV. Hmm. I suppose so. However, Molly Ringwald was being a little selfish with the attention she was giving. Right. Just okay. saying. <laughs> then she went to the dance and Jake Ryan just couldn't stop staring at her. Like, come on. There's some stuff going on there. Well, yeah, but when you're like angsty, you sometimes don't notice when people see you. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, have you ever had an instant where, you know, years later someone's like, oh, I totally had a crutch on you. And you're like, what? I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. It was uh, the day we got married. <laughs> oh my god. I thought I thought we weren't going to talk about that. Uh, I thought we couldn't interweave our love story into this other love story that we're talking about. We can't. I was just making you a hilarious oh, no. joke. That Folks, you strap in. I'm definitely going to try to weave in our own personal love stories as many times as I Folks. can during this podcast. Anyways, uh, yeah. So then, the, um, let's see. Sam. So Sam gets home. Oh. She uh, sees grandma and grandpa, which is one of the most awkward exchanges <laughs> in the movie. Like, I've never oh, seen. It's, it's fascinating to me, like how often they absolutely. She seems to absolutely hate every member of her family except for her dad. Like everyone else is a piece of shit. See, and me again being Guatemalan, that would definitely not fly. I'm like you. That whole disregard for the grandparents. No. Also, too, I'm like... Um, but the parents are all... The grandparents are also pretty disregarding. Like, everyone in her family is a huge piece of shit besides her dad. Yeah, I... Yeah. Her dad is literally the only person who gives a flying fuck that she exists. Everyone else is so rude and mean yeah, to her. her mom feels bad a little bit later. Her mom barely cares. Absentee mother. No. That's a John Bonet mother they right have, there. Oh, my God. Not even. <laughs> Lordy Lord. Anyways, um... So then we go to the part where um, the dance. Well, we, we also, we, before we get there, we have to okay. uh, point out one of the huge glaring problems this movie has of time capsuleness, which is uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Getty Wantanabe as, uh, uh, let's see, the name is Long Duck Dong. Yeah. You know, this is another interesting thing, too, is the uh, audio stingers in this movie. Um, I forgot about this and like there's a lot of those little like these mm. weird little audio stingers in the movie and every time Getty Wantanabe talks in the beginning of this movie there's the giant gong sound yeah yeah every time I cringed well and even her, what an like, amazing her, time her little brother says like the most racist horrible 
thing ever. I, I can't even repeat it. And he's like, what? 12? It's amazing. Like, um, but yeah, again, we're talking the, now with the 2019 mentality. and I think what's know. amazing too is just like the forgiveness we have for John Hughes. Even like after like a bunch of like, you know, like John, like Molly Ringwald wrote this whole expose about uh, like the Breakfast Club and that kind of stuff. But we still have this like reverence for John Hughes when he so clearly is just sort of a product of the 80s. Like, well, yeah. everything's yeah. okay. I mean, you know, not to totally get into it, um, it all, but I feel like, you know, judging something that was made in the 80s to the perspective and scope of 2019 is not necessarily always fair. It's tough. It's yes, tough. it's not a. I know that is not a popular opinion, um, because you know what is inappropriate is inappropriate. But I also think you know, fight me on the baby. It's cold outside any day of the week because I. Anyways, <laughs> so then they go to the dance, and the dance is hopping. Uh, we get another great. I mean, Anthony Michael Hall is amazing in this movie, and I think Anthony <laughs> Michael Hall is actually the character that everyone wants to be in this movie. I think he's one of the most relatable characters, for sure. I think he's the most relatable character, but I also think he's the character that everybody wants to be. How because so? he's vul- he's super vulnerable. But the facade he puts up... like I'll tell you right now, in high school, this is the kid that I wanted to be. I wish I was this cool. Because even if you're a nerd, and even if you're a geek or whatever, he... whatever your lower social class standing is, he is so swaggered out and sure of himself because he's like, I, if I do this, if I act this way, it will happen. It will happen. It will be. He was doing the secret. And it ends up <laughs> happening. But that's what's great about it. Like Anthony Michael Hall's character is who Jake Ryan wants to be the entire movie. Jake Ryan. Huh. Well, yeah, he seeks out his advice. Jake Ryan wants to be Anthony Michael Hall. That's like the fascinating, like psychological mm. thing in this movie is all the characters want to be someone else. And they realize that, the person that they all want to be really is Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall is this walking... Even Samantha? Even Samantha. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall is this walking id of awesomeness the entire time. And eventually, they get to the end, Anthony Michael Hall's character realizes his potential and gets to uh, not drunkenly make out with the uh, hot girl in school. The prom queen. The prom mm-hmm. queen. He gets the prom queen. And she's like, I feel great in your arms. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, of course. Like, he's like, these old things. I'm like, man, that is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And then yeah. Jake Ryan gets to go be low-key cool, you know? Yeah. Gets to be very low-key mm-hmm. with a sweater vest and his boots. And that's fine. Which, uh, girls, we need to talk about um, how awesome his whole outfit is. I am loving the duo of the sweater vest with the maroon combat boots. Um, it's really sexy. But that's, I mean... Me. Cool. All right. Okay. If you guys want okay, to listen to that on. pod, that's uh, the Maisel pod. That'll be another show. Oh my god! Don't just say it's the Maisel pod because <laughs> we're talking about fashion. There's more fashion that's beyond Maisel. Trust me, Maisel fashion is amazing. But don't put me in a box. Anyways, uh, but yeah. Again, this is another thing that's crazy. Is like this. Mo- so much happens within this like time period of the dance itself. I always feel like this movie is taking place over multiple days, when in reality it takes place over like yeah. literally a single evening. So the dance happens. Molly Ringwald has her whole bed, and then Ted shows up and asks for her panties. They have a nice little heart to heart. <laughs> He's actually able, like, the panties bit is super uh, fascinating because also it's very clear that, um, like, if this uh, was, if the movie 16 Candles was contained in an episode of Mindhunter. Oh, Lord. 
Anthony Michael Hall's character Ted would definitely be a serial killer they were tracking. No, I remember saying that. The sociopathic no. behavior that he exhibits in this film. How can he be a sociopath and then also be like what everyone is striving to be? You saying that everyone's striving to be a sociopath? No, he's everyone's striving to be everyone's striving to be confident, outwardly confident. Okay. Okay. What not no, everyone's striving think... to be is asking for a girl's panties and then like literally carrying well, them Well, no, because it's the 80s. Everyone was just wanting to talk about who hooked up with who, which I think nowadays is not far from the truth. I think that's still pretty relevant in the high school environment. Um, granted, it's been a while since I've been in high school. I'm just saying but... there's some there's some red flags for uh, Ted no, later in life. No, he just he wants to tell everyone that he got laid. Like I see. It... I see Tench throwing him against a wall and being like, you're not getting anywhere. No, you've just been I, watching too I, much my I younger. see Tench and Holden interviewing that guy years from now. <laughs> no, Holden would be making eyes at Samantha. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. um, we digress. So the dance happens. The sort of the, This is where sort of the chase begins. Like Jake Ryan starts. It's, it's interesting. The panties actually act as this almost like kind of Cinderella glass slipper type thing. Oh, yeah. And that's where sort of the chase begins. Uh, it's just, it's an absolutely fascinating like experience because also I, I didn't go to parties in high school. Like, that oh, was, I didn't either. That really wasn't my, <laughs> that really wasn't my steez. Like I so wasn't a we thing. Can't, we can't talk about so I was I, I was always, I was like, I can't, I have rehearsal. But I happily did not want to go to my But I also parties. want to talk about the level of... Dis- There's like Batman versus Superman level of destruction done to Jake's parents' house. <gasps> it's horrible. It's uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that as like there's a 32-year-old pe- adult with no, a kid. I'm saying that as just like... If I was 16 in a parent's house and... There was pizza boxes everywhere. It wasn't even... Okay. And wasted pizza. It's you never one, not eat the whole pizza. It's the one... The one that got me was... Uh, Donger's uh, girlfriend is lifting weights and the weights fall off and go through the ceiling into the wine cellar. Um, The thing that broke my heart was when those girls broke that string of a most likely real pearl necklace and I just, it it hurt me a little bit. Plus, you know, those furs, I mean, they they didn't work with their hollow outfits. I don't know why they were wearing them. You'll find that on the Maisel pod, guys. Maisel pod. But I'm serious. You don't break a pearl (laughs) necklace. Crazy asses. Yeah, uh, that that party is just insane. I've never been to a party that crazy. I can't imagine anyone wanting to be at a party I mean, that crazy. Even in college, I mean, that's when I really partied. We never again. It was in our own houses, so we didn't trash it that bad. But Lord, I mean, Lord, I've been in trashed houses before. That was beyond the pale. Like, there's something wrong going. But on there. you know, it's heightened. It's the you know the movie magic. But here's the other thing too. Like Jake, totally cool about it. Like Jake was. Literally- he was. I, and I was almost, I almost wanted to... For the um, full-scale destruction that happens uh, of Jake's parents' property in this no, house, no, Jake like, literally could care less. In the less. special features, I kind of want to know the backstory of Jake's parents. Because Jake seemed like he wasn't going to get in trouble. Like, they probably had all the money in the world and all the maids that would come in and clean it up. And he was just like, yeah, dude, take my dad's car. It's like, no problem. Well, no. So after the party, all the, after the party dies down and everyone leaves, Jake, like, starts cleaning up by himself. And I'm like... But barely. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, he's, like, picking up, like... A pizza box. Well, he picked up a pizza box. A lot of pizza. And then he's just looking for a beer, and he's going to actually drink out of, like, a overnight, probably lukewarm, yeah. if not warm beer. Definitely mel- Which was definitely, really gross. Definitely backwash. I love Jake Ryan, but at that point, I was like, mm, Jake. Well, he's trying to drown his sorrows. Good, he didn't find Cinderella. It wasn't, wasn't very becoming of him. But in any sense, th- that was pretty fascinating. I, again, I can't. 
Well, and I can't the, understand why Jake doesn't care about the... I, I have to know more about but, that story. <laughs> but that leads us to the very interesting point I think you brought up, which is Jake Ryan looking up to Ted the Geek because he discovers Ted the Geek trapped in, what was it, like a glass it's coffee like, he's table He's literally just box. stuck in a glass coffee table. Um, but he comes out of it, and, um, and I think in a very endearing scene, again, of his confidence, Ted has a little apron around his waist and is kind well, of he's acting the, he's, he's acting like the bartender. He's the bartender at the yes. bar. Which so is cool. he's making the martinis and you know all of a sudden It's the high school it's a high school movie equivalent of the bartender. Well he puts on that character and he's putting on that um, air of wisdom and like how can I help out the most popular guy? And Jake is actually feeding into it and is yeah. happy to like un like to unburden himself again, to him. Again, Ted's doing a good job. Again, Ted's uh, pulling a little bit of a sociopath thing here by like he's endearing what? he's oh. endearing himself to the most popular boy in school so he can get away with whatever he wants going forward. No, 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 no. I'm great. not letting smart. you totally like smear Ted the Geek. Very smart Ted the Geek. I got a lot of respect for oh, Ted yeah, the yeah. Geek in this movie. All right. He's he's putting his he's putting the machinations together. He knows what he's going to get away with later on. Um so then Jake does this incredibly shocking thing where which he gives so uh Jake's girl current girlfriend uh is Caroline's too drunk to drive home. Mm-hmm. So he gives Ted without a driver's license the keys to his father's a very expensive Rolls-Royce mm-hmm. and um lets Ted drive it, which is pretty again like pretty blatant disrespect for any sort of uh Yeah, he just doesn't care. He, it's almost like his he, parents must be total pieces of shit. But also Jake Ryan throughout the whole movie has this very like not in the present, like far off in the distance until he's with Samantha. Question though, do you think Jake Ryan is an orphan? Do you think Jake Ryan's a no. Do you think Jake Ryan murdered his parents? No. Oh my god, okay. We're talking about a John Hughes movie here. There's I don't think orphans exist in First the John off, Hughes. There's universe. a lot of dark undertones in John Hughes mm. movies. If you watch, we watched The Breakfast Club. That movie is dark. Well, that's a whole nother story. We're talking well, about sixteen candles. Sixteen candles is about no, a girl. No, I don't think Jake Ryan's an orphan. But Do you think Jake Ryan murdered his parents? Then no. There's okay. Again, you've been watching way too much Mindhunter. There's significant proof in this movie that Jake Ryan probably murdered his parents. Continuing on. Did you see the car he was driving? Definitely not his car. But Even no, if he has rich parents. Listen, you glazed over the point that I think is a really good point. Come on, I'm trying to stay on track here. I'm really smart about these things. I think it's fascinating that, again, Jake seems very not present with a lot of his conversations. Even with the conversation he has with Ted in the kitchen, he only becomes, I feel like, really in the moment whenever he's with Samantha, which I find fascinating. He's always, like, staring off in the distance, if you right. notice. That goes back to my murder Alex, theory. don't be... Don't serious. do that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking... I'm really actually presenting a point. I know you are. Are we about to have a marriage banter? We're not going to have marriage banter. I'm telling you, I'm presenting my theory as to why I think Jake Ryan might be might have murdered his parents before the movie begins. He's staring off into the distance. He's very aloof. He's very uncomfortable with interactions besides Samantha. Okay? That means he's looking for companionship. He's looking for someone to confide in. Everyone else, everyone else besides people who he would, like, he's not like Rock, who's supposed to be his best friend in the movie, his girlfriend. He cannot stand those two. Samantha and Ted, though, confidants to the end. No one, no parental advi- no parental advisory at that house. There's, uh, uh, I mean, it's it's destroyed. He's not worried about it at all. He's just walking around, surveying the wreckage. That is what it is. 
He lets the kid take the Rolls Royce. He's driving his dad's other very nice car around, the Ferrari. Like, there is significant evidence to suggest that that kid is either, he either murdered his parents or, more than likely, his parents have, like, left and, like, left him, period. Okay, Aiden. I'm just pointing out, a signi- there's a serious plot hole going on here. And you don't want to talk about my point? I do want to talk about your point. Okay, but thank you. The important thing. Is your long-running joke? The important thing is Jake Ryan oh, is a murderer. <laughs> oh my God! Here I am trying to actually put in really good points to get real philosophical about. See, Griffey would have totally gone with this with me. <laughs> well, I'm not Griffey. Anyways, make your point. I already made my point. I wanted to see what you thought about my point. You know what? Right, Apparently, I've... hey Griffey, um, I think he wants his partner back. I don't think his wife is enough, so maybe I should just bow out. And, All right, you know, I apologize. Go back to your original point. I will rebuttal. I already said it. Do you want me to say it again so you weren't listening to me? I was, but I went on my tangent, so it's not... <laughs> oh, so it was all about you. So what were you guys, you say- welcome to marriage. So what were you saying? Um, what I was saying was talking about Jake's facial expressions and his body language in the sense that he's always off somewhere because I think he's constantly thinking about Samantha, constantly daydreaming or constantly just not happy with his present life. And it isn't until his scenes with Samantha and in the prospect of something like a new chapter in his life that he becomes very present. I think that's why he has that kind of far off. Oh, I would totally agree with that. I think that Jake's the kind of kid who like Jake's a senior, right? So Jake, I think, has already got that, not even senioritis, but he's like early acceptance, I'm done with this. And also a bit of like a early, you know, um, quarter life crisis kind of vibe. Well, he's definitely in that. Like, I think what's interesting is like, Jake's obviously a handsome guy. He's been popular for a very long time. He's one of those guys who's tired of being just the popular guy. I think he's tired of being one-dimensional. I think that's exactly what's happening. He's looking for something more meaningful. Oh, this is so nice when we talk about... He's looking for something more meaningful. He's looking for something in his life that really matters, which is interesting because Ted's looking for the exact opposite. Ted wants to be one-dimensional. Yes, yes. He wants to be the one-note cool guy. Ted wants to be the one-note cool guy, the superficial, the facade. Mm-hmm. Which again goes into some mind hunter stuff. Oh I'm talking my about. god! <laughs> but regardless, but that's exactly what it is. It's a lot of role reversal. This whole fascinating yeah. thing. The only person who doesn't want to do any role reversing is Samantha. Samantha loves Samantha loves who she is. Yes. Samantha likes the character and she is. And she's confused why no one she likes else the person is, she is feeling that same way about her. Exactly, and I think you're getting. I think that's exactly the point of the movie. It's one of those things where you like. High school is that time in your life where you're like, how can, how can I be the best version of myself? But how can I get other people to see ha- me the way I see me? Right. That That's your best version. Mm-hmm. Like, How do I get people to like the best version of myself, which I think is X, Y, and Z? So that's really what Samantha's trying to accomplish the entire movie. And honestly, that's what teenage girls in high school want. I mean, we... Right. Again, I can only speak for myself, but I always wanted... For someone to notice me for who I was and not the facade I was putting on for all my dorkiness, all my weirdness, all my, you know, more so loving me for my flaws and actually loving me for my strengths. Right. Well, and I think that's another thing that ha- I think that's why, like, the scene with the mom, with the dad and Sam is very important. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that nobody we didn't they didn't forget. It's just that life is sometimes life. Like, I think that's one of those great moments, too. Like, to me, what it is is Samantha confronting the reality of the fact that 
life sometimes is like that's just the way it is like it's the first like adult lesson you learn like whenever we all when like when we all go to college or whenever we leave the house and we start living our own life and so on and so forth however you do it really one of the first adult lessons besides moving that you have to experience is that your birthday is because your birthday becomes significantly less in, less interesting and less important as you get older like that's the way it is as, I, I quietly oh, whatever. You, disagree you know, with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got oh, it. my God. But you know what I mean. As you get older, though, like, it's not. I do know what you mean, but What also, it's not is stop the presses, everyone, it's my birthday. It's, oh, it's my birthday. But also yes and, everyone else is living their life. Yes, yes and no. Yes and no. There's going to be some birthdays that just are quieter ones. But then but, there's other birthdays that are exciting. And then you're going to find someone that you fall in love with and get married and always celebrate your birthday with pizzazz. I wonder who that is. Me too. That guy <laughs> sounds awesome. But I know, but I'm serious. Like this is, uh, this is sort of to me, like the crux of the story is, uh, Samantha and her dad. Like that conversation sums up the whole of the film. To well, me. because he, he finally, it, the thing is, is the family is moving and moving around her in a blur. And she just, it's, it's less about the wishing the happy birthday and feeling like her family, she wants them to just take a pause with her. And, and I feel like when you're a teenager, a lot of times you just want adult figures to just take a pause with you and to actually talk to you, you know, eye to eye and to your level, not talking down to you, um, which is often the case, but someone actually talking to you as an equal. And I think that conversation with their dad is very much along those lines. And it's one of my favorite right. scenes. Well, that's what I'm, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, that scene is so important because it's Samantha's first foray into adulthood. It's her yeah. having an adult conversation with her father, where her father says, it's not that we forgot you, it's that so many other things are happening in our lives and that's what's going to happen. Like life accelerates around you and I don't know how to stop it. Well, and then as as a teenager, you want, you feel like the whole world revolves around you. Exactly. Like the center of your universe is you. So I think that's, what's fascinating is that by the end of this movie, Samantha realizes like she's not the center of her own. She's not the center of the universe, but she's, she very well can be the center of her universe. Mm -hmm. And then Jake shows up and obviously makes her feel that way again. Well, And he, he looks at her like that, you know, um, right. He looks at her with, I think, how someone that loves you should look at you, which is, you know, to sound really exaggerated, but they worship the ground you walk on. Hmm, That's a good point. I mean, to be a total um, idealist and a romantic, yeah, I once... I told my best friend in college that I wanted to find someone that just by the way they looked at me, I knew they loved me. Hmm. And I feel like Jake Ryan in that moment where he's up against the car. And yeah, I know it's very early on to say that they're in love, but he looks at her like, I think that's, you know, but that's high school, like high school love. High school love's important. It is. It really is. You have the high uh, high school. Like, I don't look at Jake. I don't look at Sam and Jake and go, man, they're forevers. No. But what it is, is like, it's an important first step in high school romance. It will probably be, you know, if we were to go beyond the ending of this movie, it would be Samantha's first love. Right. And first love is, uh, there are not enough words to describe. And then Jake will go to college (laughs) and they'll break up after a month because he wants to explore his options. And that'll be the movie. That would would be the sequel, you know? No, I think they would have stayed (laughs) together a little bit longer. Oh, really? Got it. Well, maybe in 18 Candles we'll find out. Did you know there was a proposed sequel to this? 
Oh, really? For 18 Candles? No, not for 18 Candles. That's my title. (laughs) There was a proposed sequel for the movie. Uh, It's actually, as of 2003, USA Network is developing it. Oh. But I don't know. Uh, That's 2003. I don't know about that. Well, let me ask you this question, Alex. Did you have, did you fall in love when you were in high school? I did. Hard. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. She was younger than me. I was the Jake Ryan. Oh, so you were the Jake Ryan. She was a Samantha. Definitely. Wow. All yep. right. Yeah. Okay. That that was that was me. I was the Jake. Although I wasn't as popular. I wasn't a popular kid. I was a band kid. So. But I, still, I was more of a Ted. <laughs> were you? Definitely. Um, I don't think I was. We're all a bit of a Ted. Yeah, I was a bit of a Ted when I was on stage because I was a theater nerd, so I always felt I don't know, real confident on the stage. I don't know anybody who would so who would say I'm a I'm a Jake. I don't know anyone who would live their life going I was a Jake. Mm. Well, there's some, probably some people out there. Well, for me, I had an unprecedented like total high school sweetheart, like dating him for all four years of high school. I've met him, Miles, uh, good guy. <laughs> um, and you know, feeling that first love and feeling it feeling it hard mm-hmm. so yeah i could I, I could totally attest to what it how sucky it was afterwards but you know you grow and, and it's all good so your general summary of 16 candles how do you made how does it feel as a 32 year old woman that's right i said your age on oh there. i said my age earlier i know but you know you said it's <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rocking it 32 yeah. year old woman you're many years removed from your first time viewing it how do mm-hmm. you feel about watching it now as opposed to then, has it changed for you at all? Well, has when, it progressed? When I watched it the first time, um, I was in the middle of my first love, in the middle of my high school sweetheart, and everything was powerful and everything was new. And I remember um, it was yeah the second year I was dating him, um, but that's also around fifteen is when we really started getting serious about really feeling what we felt for each other and I remember watching that movie and being like whoa I like I think I have that and then you know fast forward to all these years later being married having a kid having several different forms of love in my life including the love I have for myself because I will be honest I don't have the love for myself when I was 15 as I do now um so watching it now it felt um it it was like oh it's cute like it it wasn't as dramatic as it felt like when I watched it younger and I think that's because my definition of love um, is beyond that need to feel seen because I do feel seen I will say though that what has translated from fifty year old Andrea to thirty two year old Andrea is is the little thing so my favorite thing is the fact that he brought over a cake. It was simple, it was sweet, and he just gave her a kiss over the cake. That will always make my heart skip a beat no matter how old I am because I think that my type of true love is in the small moments. I don't need a grand gesture and I don't need everyone involved in that grand gesture. Just like when you proposed to me, it was just you and me in the room. And that to me felt like the love that will last longer than something quite extravagant so i will always give props to jake ryan for keeping it small and probably falling in love with her in those small moments and wanting to seek it out in those small moments the end (laughs) 
Jake Ryan totally murdered his parents. I don't care what. Oh says. my god. <laughs> no. What What are What are your thoughts of watching it now? Being a thirty year old married man to the most wonderful woman <laughs> in the known universe and I, the most beautiful child. My thoughts are: I, I I never had a very strong relationship with this movie. It was not like one of my favorite John Hughes flicks. Um, I always preferred pretty much every other movie he made to this one. Really? Why? Uh, I don't know. It's not really... Um, I mean, this movie, I think, speaks louder well, to girls. Well, obviously, and I mean, obviously, it's female protagonists, but that really, I mean, there's plenty of movies that star women that I, I fucking love. No, but this perspective of this movie, but, it doesn't surprise me that... I mean, I think the more, I think the more important question is... Also, you're like, not really a cake person, so... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. Cake. Uh, we got to the ending and there was cake. I was like, fuck this movie. <laughs> Listen, I know that you much prefer a cookie or a pie, so... I'll blink this fucking movie <laughs> Your out Your loyalties my... lies elsewhere. No, like, I mean, ultimately, I think what the movie does for me now is... Is, yeah, it's just a time capsule. It's nostalgia. It's... It's... Peak John Hughes, which I think is what this is like. Probably one of his, like besides the Breakfast Club, probably. But Sixteen Candles came out before the Breakfast Club or after? Mm, I think it was before. I think it was before. I think Sixteen Candles is probably the first one to really put him on the map, and then Breakfast Club came afterwards. Uh, no, the first one to make people notice John Hughes was Vacation. Okay. He wrote Vacation. But no, in the sense of like the teenage ro- um, this is romance like, movies I, that he made, which I is mean, what I call this the Brad was, Pack movies. Obviously, this is one of the Brad Pack movies. But I mean, ultimately, uh, it's not even that. Like, I think this movie to me is just like a perfect time capsule for what teenage... It's not even like 80s either. Like, if you extrapolate and take away all the little things and boil it down to its baser elements, this movie is a great time capsule of what being a teenager and being... And finding that, like not being in love, but finding that love is like, like it's tumultuous and terrifying and kind of weird and very, it seems much more adventurous than it actually is. So it's a love story to just the teenage years versus the love story of, you know, Samantha and Jake. I would say it's a, just a, yeah, I mean, what it is, is it's, it's a love letter to being, it's a love letter to being a teenager who falls in love. That's kind of like I think what the main consensus is that I pull away now as a thirty-two year old. Like when I was, when I was younger, it was like, oh, it's about a boy meet girl, and mm-hmm. it's about a guy who finds something in himself that isn't just about being a popular guy. He wants something more, so on and so forth, yada yada yada. Like that's how I felt about it when I was younger, which was about Jake Ryan and Samantha getting together because both of them want the same thing, which is something more than just like conventional teenage love they want something mm-hmm. a little deeper mm-hmm. now when i watch it it's definitely like this time capsule of like what it was like to be a teenager when anyone's a teenager that's just the way first love is so on and so forth well yeah and i mean it's interesting to to us because we've been together for so long you know our definition of love too has changed because it's reflected over the fact that it's been 11 years since we've been together mm-hmm. you are now officially the person i've loved the longest romantically. Hmm. You are number two for me. Really? Oh, jeez, Louise. Sorry. Okay. I, again, people are always going to wonder Listen, I why saw, we're married. I saw from dust. I saw from talk. dust till dawn at a very young age. Salma Hayek gets that number one spot. All right. I guess I can. And I know that. you guys are with me out there, alchemists. <laughs> um. 
Andrea, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for watching 16 Candles with me for the John Hughes month. Oh, you're so welcome. It was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. the first of, of hopefully a few more wife pods? We are really smart. I know we'll see. Amy and I are actually way smarter than We'll Alex see. You guys did you guys did a good job on the on the long box with the wife pod. That was fun. <laughs> um I also want to thank Henry, our son, for falling asleep early. <laughs> falling asleep and not waking up. Yeah, so. this is pretty great. Yeah. Um guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the show, whatever podcast platform you use. Catch us on all of our socials, which is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Also this might come out before or after, but uh, if you are in the Long Beach area the weekend of Labor Day, which is August thirty first and March, uh, August thirty first and September first, we uh, I have a table there, booth one zero zero three. Come by, uh, pick up a Film Alchemist sticker, and maybe buy a comic book at the Long Beach Comic Con. And then on Sunday the first at two thirty p.m., room one hundred four A. Casters of a Lesser Pod, Nerd Pod recommendations for your ride home. I'm hosting a panel uh, with some of our friends from shows like The Nerdlies, uh, The Unlucky Ones, and the Go Help Yourself podcast. Come by, see us, talk about how we make our shows and how we do what we do. Um, and if not, uh, just keep listening to the show and please just rate and review. No, no, you guys should come to Long Beach Comic Con because I also will be there. Um, Baby Henry will also be there. He will do autograph signings between Great. 12 and 1 on Saturday He'll, and 3 to 4 on Sunday. It'll also – it's also – by the way, this isn't like uh, – in case to reiterate, this isn't like um, San Diego. You, It's actually relatively cheap to get into. Oh, uh, yeah, and it's a really good time. It's relatively cheap to get into Long Beach Comic Con. It's a much smaller show. Uh, if you've never gone to a con before, this would be a great one for you to start with yes especially if you have any kids it's i think super kid friendly it is because it's not so crowded guys thanks so much for listening uh there will be more i think i'm not sure when this will come out but hopefully um griffy and amy with pretty and pink will be followed shortly and then yeah, um, and, uh, send out those tweets to request my presence more guys dear what am god I <laughs> just stop uh totally gonna promote myself <laughs> guys uh from the film alchemist podcast i am alex dandino and I am Andrea Dandino. Guest Andrea Dandino. <sighs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own podcast and see what happens then. Oh. My Maisel podcast, because that's apparently that's the right. only way that fashion exists. Maisel pod on the way. <laughs>